Shall we all please stand on our feet? I want to announce that tomorrow morning, by the grace of God, the last Sunday of the year 1992, we shall be here for the last day of the war conference, and um, it's going to be an exciting time of worship, an exciting time of receiving tremendous impartation from the Lord. And uh, I want to crave your indulgence to ask all those who may have been wanting to hurry away Tomorrow morning, you better stay back and receive the very best because the best wine always comes last when Jesus is involved. You believe that? Shout Amen. And tomorrow morning, after the first message, the uh, war cry message in the morning, the music department, the choir, the evangelist singers from Lagos and our brother Joe Moore, our brother uh, Yahweh and the band and our sister Elizabeth will be treating you to 40 minutes of exciting music before the message. So you better get ready. God is going to soak your soul tomorrow in a very definite way. But tonight, get ready. Something is about to happen in your life. You believe that? Shout Amen. Keep standing while I read the scripture of truth. I will read first of all the book of Isaiah 66. And I will read verses 7, 8 and 9. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith thy God? And then in the book of Genesis chapter 1, if you will please, Genesis chapter 1. And I read the first three verses. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Thank you, breath of God, because you are here tonight. Open the very treasure house of God and lead us, O God, into that realm where we become one with God. Spirit of the living God, brood over this audience tonight. And all that God can do do now. The hour is now. Our faith believes it. My Father, do it. Unto excellency, do it. 
in all totality, do it. Let your hand be manifest. I pray tonight that people will receive visions of the Lord, revelations of angels, manifestations of scripture. Lord, I pray men will see Calvary. Men will see the risen Redeemer. Men will see God. This is my prayer. This is my plea. This is my petition. And I trust and know that it is granted according to your word, the covenant. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I am sure you would have seen on your program one of the strangest topics of all time. And you must have begun to wonder what are these people up to again when they talk about Holy Ghost maternity. Because that's the topic we are treating tonight. Well, we are not up to any tricks. We are just up to Scripture. We are not up to any gimmicks. We are just up to what the Word of God says. And it is my prayer this night that the reality of what God has to say to us will sink in with profound effect. In the book of Isaiah 66, we read in verses 7, 8, and 9. The Bible says that before she traveled, she brought forth, before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. Then the question came in verse number 8 Who has had such a thing? In other words, is that possible for somebody? To bring forth before traveling? Is it possible for a woman to deliver a child before the labor pains come? Absolutely impossible. Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. In other words, before the children are born, there must be a travail. And I'm here to announce to you this night that the Holy Spirit is pregnant. You may never have heard that before, but it's in your Bible. God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, co-equal with the Father and with the Son, is pregnant. And the Holy Spirit has been pregnant for a long time. And right now as I'm talking to you, we are in the maternity ward of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is in the maternity ward. I can hear His cry. I can hear His groaning. I can hear His travail. My soul reverberates. With the agony and the travail of the Holy Spirit. 
And when a woman travails, she is about to give birth to a child. And when the Holy Spirit travails, he is about to give birth also unto sons and unto daughters. Remember the scripture that says, The earnest expectation of a creature waiteth for the birth, for the giving to birth, for the manifestation, for the unveiling, for the unfolding of the sons of God. The Holy Spirit is in the maternity world. And as I look at the Bible, and as I look at the pages of church history, I find that throughout all history, in all of God's dealing with man, Whenever men have failed God, whenever the church has compromised its standard, whenever the glory has departed from Zion, whenever the church has let God down, the Holy Spirit is always sent forth to move into action. Whenever darkness is upon the face of the deep, whenever the earth is void, and without form, whenever everything is shapeless, Whenever there's no difference between the clean and the unclean. Whenever the sons of Zion, who were once glorious in beauty, have been brought down to the mud. The Holy Spirit of God has always had to move into action. At any time in history, in church history, and in the history of God's dealing with man, whenever there has been a Babel, a confusion of tongues, and the trumpets from pulpits and from pastors and from men of God are blowing on certain sounds, and there is a cacophony of noises, and we cannot discern anymore what is the trumpet saying, and nobody seems to be preparing themselves for battle, the Holy Spirit of God has always moved into action. Moving into action, looking for a man, a man that he can rest upon, a man that he can incubate, a man that he can be impregnated with, a man he can carry in his bosom, like a woman carries a, a child in the womb, and take through the period of gestation until that child in the maternity ward of the Holy Spirit is born. Born with power, born with authority, born with an anointing that beggars description.
My Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Oh yes, the Hebrew says it was tohu and bohu. Everything was confused in an ugly mass, shapeless and confused. And then the Bible says the Spirit of God began to move upon the face of the waters, brooding upon the face of the waters, incubating upon the face of the waters, impregnating the situation. And then God said, let there be light. And out of the wombs of the Holy Spirit, and out of the wombs of the morning, there was light. Light to dispel the darkness. Light that the darkness could never be able to comprehend. And go through your Bible. When darkness filled the air, and the Spirit of iniquity had taken over the hearts of the sons of men. The Spirit of God moved into action. Looked for a man he could be impregnated with. He found Noah. And by the time the Holy Ghost travailed and gave birth to Noah, he was a very different generation. He was of a distinct class altogether. And he was strange. And he carried about him and anointed him a grace that beggars description. After the dispensation of human government, when God had given man the privilege to rule himself, and it ended up in the Tower of Babel and the confusion of tongues, God began to look for a man because everywhere was without form and void. The Spirit of God moved into action. Brooding over the hearts of men. Drawing at the cord, the reins of the hearts of men. Seeking a man who will respond. Seeking a man who was hungry. Seeking a man who was thirsty. Seeking a man who was jealous. Seeking a man who was dissatisfied with the status quo. Seeking a man who was desperate. Desiring the wings of a dove. You see, David was crying out. And in Psalm 55, after lamenting, he cried. He said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then I will fly away. And God found a man like that by the name of Abraham and impregnated himself with him. And by the time Abraham was born, he was something else. Born of the Spirit. Israel was in bondage in Egypt. And how did they get to Egypt? I'll tell you the story. The patriarch Jacob had twelve sons and one daughter. The Holy Spirit looked into the future. And he knew there will be an hour of need. When his people will need a savior. A savior born of the spirit. A savior brought forth by the travail of the spirit. And by divine arrangement. He sent Joseph ahead of them. 
And Joseph was in the womb of the Holy Spirit, being prepared to be delivered. And you know when a child is in the womb, it is encased in that darkness of the womb. It has hands, but it can't use those hands. It has feet, but it can't use those feet. It has a mouth, but it can't cry out. It has eyes, but right in the encasement of that womb, it cannot see with those eyes. The only thing the child can do inside the womb of the mother is to impatiently, impatiently kick and struggle. And the pregnant mother knows what it means for the child to kick and to struggle, to move from one side to the other. And there was Joseph in the womb of the Holy Spirit, not understanding what he was going through. And he was kicking and struggling from one situation to another because the Spirit of God was traveling with Joseph until eventually the hour came. And when it was least expected, in a manner that was totally unexpected, he was born of the Spirit. Prime Minister of Egypt, Savior of his people, anointed by God. When in Egypt, Israel travailed for 430 years and the hour came after the children of Israel had cried out to God. Day in and day out, God heard their cry. And I'm here to tell you, God is hearing the cry in Egypt tonight. And God wants to give birth to Moses. God wants to give birth to Elijah again. God wants to give birth to Elisha again. There was a cry. A cry of prisoners who were in a chain gang, laboring and suffering under the whiplash of Egyptian, Egyptian taskmasters, looking with a longing and expectation, waiting for light to shine, waiting and looking, daily hoping, when will this bondage end? When will this agony end? And listen to me, way down in Egypt tonight, there is a cry of slaves. I can hear the cry from Somalia, where about over 300,000 people died in less than how many months. If you watch your TV, if you watch CNN, and you see human beings reduced to skeletons, you will hear the cry of their soul. Not only for food, but for emancipation. I can hear the cry of multitudes in India, worshipping strange gods, demons. Practicing all sorts of orgies in the name of looking for God Almighty. And being disappointed, helpless and hopeless. They are longing for the light that will bring them out of that nebulous hopelessness. And I can hear their cry. And God can hear their cry. Right in our backyard, in our own country, Nigeria. Millions and millions, million multitudes without God. Enslaved and encased in bondage. In white garment churches looking for the answer. The traditional churches have disappointed them because of all the formalities and the rites and the rituals and the liturgies. And so they were looking for the power of God and looking for emancipation. And when they saw the counterfeit, they swallowed it hook, line and sinker. 
and it is now it's dawning on them that with all the white garment and with all the knocking the head down to worship a miserable specimen of humanity by the name of Olumba Olumba in Calabar they now know they are in bondage and they are looking for deliverance they are hoping for somebody who will bring the good news to them with authority and power hear the word of God tonight God is hearing the cry of the lost in Egypt And if your ears have been blocked with cotton wool, I pray tonight God will blast out the cotton wool. So you will begin to hear the cry of the lost. And you will know there is a price you must pay. I have always said it and I will say it. If you become the greatest politician in Nigeria, I submit to you that it is all a waste of time, a waste of energy. If you become the best of lawyers in Nigeria, I submit to you that very soon you will, it will dawn on you that it's all wasted time, wasted talent. If all you do with the talent and the graces and the gifts and the opportunities and the privileges and the open doors God has given to you is to pursue earthly things and build. If you become the best architect in Nigeria, in Africa, in the world, Architect, if you are so brilliant that United Nations commissions you to build a new building for them, design a new building for them, and your name is in the newspapers, you have achieved nothing. Because when the day comes, when the earth will be consumed with fire, all your works will go down the drain, there will be no record of them. The only thing that shall stand the test of time is what we do for God and for souls. For eternity. Almighty God had a cry in Egypt and he began to look for a man and the Spirit of God moved upon a shapeless Moses. You see, God has this procedure and that is the problem with most of us. We don't want to wait patiently and go through the procedure of the Holy Spirit. What is the procedure of the Holy Spirit? He takes raw material and He begins to process that raw material and refine that raw material and beat that raw material into shape until by the time He finishes from the beginning stage to the end of the production line, that raw material comes out a finished product, ready with God's anointing to do something for a generation. Hear the word of God. The Holy Spirit was looking for a man with whom to be pregnant. He finally found Moses. And by the time the Holy Ghost travailed in the backwoods of Horeb and brought forth Moses, a totally transformed individual, he came blazing with the power of God. No chain of enslavement, no bondage of slavery could stand the authority and the glory that God had given unto him. My dear brother, God is looking for men tonight. 
God is looking for women tonight. Women who will be impregnated. Women with whom God will impregnate himself. Men with whom the Holy Ghost will become pregnant. And he will travel and give birth to them. And give birth to intercessors. Intercessors who will pray. And God cannot say no. Women who may not be out there in the open, preaching like I'm preaching, but anointed of God with a ministry of intercession, who will stand like Aaron and like her and hold up the hands of ministers and intercede and intercede. Women unto whom God will show things to come. My dear brother, my dear sister, once upon a time, the glory of Zion was gone. Ahab was king. Jezebel was queen. Darkness filled the land. And gross darkness the people. There was no light. Adolatry had taken over. Jehovah had been relegated into the background. The altars of God had been pulled down. And the devil walked barefaced in the promised land. Oh yes. Trudging the entire land like a colossus. And in the midst of that darkness. In the midst of that bondage. God was looking for a man. And my Bible says in First Kings 17. The Bible does not even tell us his background. The Bible just says. Out of the womb of the Holy Spirit. There came Elijah the Tishbite. There came Elijah the Tishbite. Where was he before? I will tell you where he was because I know where he was in the womb of the Holy Spirit. Being prepared by the Holy Spirit. Being broken by the Holy Spirit. Being melted by the Holy Spirit. Until the hour came and the Holy Ghost was in the maternity room. Israel did not know what was happening. But it, a man was born. A son of God was born by the name of Elijah. And when he appeared on the scene, it was with the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And he looked Ahab in the eyes and he said, From today, my name is Elijah the Tishbite. From today, I lock up heaven. There shall be no rain and no dew, except I say it. Good day, His Excellency. And he walked away. And all of heaven closed. And three years passed. It initially it looked like a child's play. Before Israel knew what was happening. No drop of rain, no dew. Until, God, until Ahab began to look for Elijah all over the place. And sent soldiers and policemen and spies to look for the son of the Holy Spirit. When finally he appeared again in 1 Kings 18, it was to meet Obadiah, the governor of the king's house, and to tell him, go and call your master Ahab. I want to see him. Obadiah said, please, I beg don't let me endanger my life. The king has been looking for you in every ant hole under the sun. 
Elijah said, go and call him. He said, no, I won't go. Because if I go now and I say, I saw you, by the time I come with the king, the spirit of God has carried you somewhere. And I will endanger my life. Elijah said, as the Lord liveth, I will be here. When finally Ahab came, Elijah stood looking at him. The knees of Ahab were, were knocking. Elijah said, Ahab, Ahab said, man of God, man of God, what would you have me do? He said, I instruct you now, gather all the prophets of Baal and all the prophets of the groove. There will be a tango, a rumble. The venue is Mount Carmel. See you at rendezvous. You talk about war conference, that was a war conference on Mount Carmel. My brother, when they met there, oh God, come to us. Oh God, come to us. You all know the story. You know, when a man can stand and mock powerful native doctors, one man with about eight, against oh, about 850 native doctors, 400 professors of Baal, 450 professors of the groove. These are native doctors who talk with demons eyeball to eyeball. And all of them combined forces. And they were enchanting. And he said, okay, you take one cow. Since you are majority. Let's see whether majority will carry the vote today or not. And when they had killed their cow, he said, no fire under. Agreed. Everybody said agreed. All right. They encountered. They invoked. They enchanted. Some were, you know, repeating Hari, Hari, Hari Krishna, Hari, Hari, Hari Krishna. Others were saying Guru, Sadguru Maharaji, Sadguru Maharaji, Sadguru Maharaji. Others were saying Holy Father, Olumba, Holy Olumba, Olumba, Olumba. What did they evoke? Abracadabra. Everything was, you know, that was a mixture. They did not know it was more than Bruha. Hallelujah. The Bible says Elijah was just walking comfortably about. You know, some of you, you see witches, you start getting afraid that, bro, there's an evil presence here. The way I'm feeling, bro, let's go. This was 850 evil presences. And Elijah was just walking up and down, cool, collected. Because let me tell you, the anointing is a defense. The anointing is a cover from the storm. Touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. It's not theory, it is a practical experience of the anointed. Some of you who are here, ordinary witch in your compound, you start running from pillar to post. You can't sleep every day, night watch. If you are having night watch because you are interceding for Somalia, praying for the world, oh, I agree with you. But not because as you were sleeping you saw a cat and the cat did meow, meow, then you woke up. Then 
He said, they are here again. They are here again. Blood of Jesus. Father, blood of Jesus. Father, deliver me. Father, protect me. I come against them. Father, I cover all my children. I cover this one. Tabunemi, uh, I cover you. Nkechi, uh, I cover you. Chukudi, uh, I cover you. Kletus, I cover you. And throughout the night, you are praying. Every night, night watch. Night watch for what? Night watch to watch and make sure that no witch comes. My dear brother, I have a right, a divinely ordained right, to sleep soundly. He giveth his beloved sleep. No witch. Not even their OC, Satan himself, has a right to disturb my sleep. If any witch does any funny thing, if anything wakes me out of the, the sleep or anything, I have a right to take telephone and phone heaven and say, Come, what happened to my bodyguard? Amen. Somebody give Jesus one big hand. Elijah made sure they wasted their time and wasted their saliva. Then he finally began to mock them. <laughs> he said, yeah, maybe he has traveled. No, wait, Bear has traveled. Or maybe he's hunting. He's pursuing one animal. There was nothing he didn't say. He made fun of them all afternoon. When they had failed and failed with distinction. No, there's failure with distinction. All of them, F9. When they had failed and failed with distinction, Elijah now said, All right. Everybody come this way. And the Bible says, after killing the cow, he made the situation absolutely impossible. Poured water upon the sacrifice. He said, pour it again. They poured. Pour again. Just keep pouring. And they poured. Then he took some few steps backwards and said, God of Abraham, and of Isaac and Jacob. That they may know that you are God. Send down fire. And my dear brother. The moment he called that four letter word. There was a conflagration. There was a combustion. Something erupted. Something exploded. Fire. The Bible says, including the native doctors, everybody bowed the knee and put their head to the ground and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. My dear brother, the answer for this generation is not prosperity preaching. It is the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
The gospel that will deliver our generation. It's not all this theological rose water. Sugar-coated stories of how you can give God one million and make three hundred million. Umana business. Some pastors are worse than Umanana. Almost every Sunday, prosperity. 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 My dear brother, what will deliver our world? Look at them dying in Somalia. Then you go and tell all those children that look like skeletons and their mothers who have no, no flesh, no skin again, only bones left, about to breathe their last. And then you go and preach to them that prosperity. Is that the gospel that will save their soul? Is that the power that will emancipate them? We are talking about the demonstration of the Spirit of God and of power. It is not the prosperity gospel they need in the reverend areas. It is the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now the day came. Elijah's ministry had come to an end. He was to be taken to heaven in chariots of fire. He had accomplished his ministry, but work was still to be done. Much work for that matter. And the Spirit of God went out again, hunting for a man. A man he could be impregnated with. A man he could carry in his womb. And hear the word of God. The Spirit of God visited all the Bible schools of that day and was disappointed. He found no man. All the theological institutions with the holders of doctrines in divinity, he found no man. Because hear the word of God. My Bible says in Second Kings chapter 2, when God will take Elijah away by a whirlwind, Elijah told Elisha, in Gilgal. Now Gilgal was one of the places where there was the school of the prophets. Where the sons of the prophets were trained into ministry. Professionals. With enough knowledge of exegesis and homiletics and exegesis. Higher critics who know how to tear the Bible to pieces. They are the ones who look at the Bible and say, yes, that this rendering is not correct. They were there in the Bible school in Gilgal. The Spirit of God found none of them. Elijah told Elisha, The Lord has sent me from Gilgal to Bethel. Tarry here. Elisha said, You don't know what my soul is longing for. Wherever you go, I go. They went. Why was Elijah, Elijah going to Gilgal? I'll tell you why. The Spirit of God was looking for a man. And God will never leave any man without a witness, without an opportunity. 
Opportunity came to them at Gilgal. Nobody seized it. Elisha followed on. Only Elisha. He came to Bethel carrying that anointing. The anointing that brought the fire down. The anointing that closed the heavens. The anointing that did impossible miracles. The anointing that will redeem Israel. He came advertising it. Who will receive it? Who will pay the price? There at Bethel, they were busy talking theology. The Spirit of God found no man. So Elijah said, Elisha, stay at Bethel with these sons of the prophets. They are very theological, very analytical. They are modernistic preachers. They are experts in divinity. Stay with them. Because the Lord has sent me yonder to Jericho. Elisha said, where you go, I go. The Lord do, more, do so to me and much more if I don't follow you to the end. Listen to me. When Elijah came and bade farewell to them at Gilgal, it was an invitation saying, whosoever wants to drink, let him follow. Nobody in Gilgal was thirsty. He came to Bethel, the same invitation. Nobody in Bethel was thirsty. He got to Jericho at the school of the prophets. Here were people preparing for the ministry. The invitation was open. Who will carry Elijah's anointing? Who will pay the price? Who will follow? Nobody was thirsty. Nobody had vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So when they got to Jericho, the Bible says, Elijah told Elisha again, Tarry here, God has sent me beyond Jordan. He said, wherever you go, I go. Then the Bible says, Forty sons of the prophets, in Jericho, put heads together and said, let's go and see what, what will happen. The only thing that excited these sons of the prophets in Gilgal, in Bethel, in Jericho, was the mere fact that they had all received ministration. In a dream or by word of knowledge or by something, that Elijah was going but they had no jealousy for God. They had no hunger for a dying world. They had no burden for a perishing generation. They had no price to pay. So the Bible says, those 40 men, those 40 men, fit to be gathered together and caned, who had all the opportunity to have followed Elijah, because Elijah didn't say they shouldn't follow him. They gathered, and the Bible says they went on top of a hill and they were watching. They were watching as the glory was going. They were watching as anointing was going. They were watching as power that could have been theirs was going. Favor that could have been theirs, free of charge, was going.
then as they were watching, the two figures began to recede and recede into the distance, farther and farther away. May the anointing never walk away from you. May the power of God never walk away from you. It's a calamity. A Bible says they got to Jordan and Elijah removed his mantle from off his neck and smote the Jordan. And the, the Jordan zipped open. And when the Jordan zipped open, he and Elisha walked over. The sons of the prophets were seeing it afar off. The Bible says, when they now crossed the Jordan, Elijah turned to Elisha and said, Come, young man, wait. You've been following me tenaciously. You've been persistent. You will not give up. You've refused to be discouraged. I tried to discourage you. You won't be discouraged. I tried to dissuade you. You won't be dissuaded. I try to divert your attention, you will not be diverted. Now tell me, what is it you want? He said, thank you very much. Man of God, Israel is on the threshold of disaster. You have done a great work, but there is still much more to do. I ask for a double portion of your anointing. Elijah said, ah, what you have asked for is difficult. But nevertheless, with God all things are possible. Only one condition. If you see me when I'm taken away from you, you will have it. My dear brother, when a man has paid every price there is to pay, what will bring the power down most of the time is one simple insignificant condition. So the Bible says, they were going, Elisha was following Elijah. I suspect, because you see the condition is, if you see me, within those 400 years, the only flicker of light that seemed to, you know, Remain in Israel. The only candlelight was the struggle of the Maccabeans to try to preserve some element of worship. Apart from that, everything had degenerated to nonsense. And by the time God found a man, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had spoiled everything. The Spirit of God began to move. Upon the face of the waters. Looking for a man. He could be impregnated with. My brother. He found John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist was born. Of the spirit. He came proclaiming the kingdom of God. Thrones and kingdoms shook. Hypocrites bowed. Soldiers repented. The entire nation was vibrating with the impact of his ministry. It was a talk of the town. Men were running into the waters of baptism. The most impossible sinners were getting saved. Why? God had found another man. Holy Ghost maternity. And I'm here to announce to you tonight that once more the Spirit of God is out. 
he is pregnant. My dear brother, my dear sister, do you know why you are dissatisfied? I know why you are. Look at this. Ask any pregnant woman here who is about seven months pregnant, eight months pregnant. They will tell you, the child in the womb kicks and struggles. Do you know why you've been kicking and struggling, dissatisfied with your life, my dear pastors? Do you know why? Do you know why you are not satisfied with what you have? Do you know why? Do you know why there are times with all, whatever little God has used you to do, you weep tears and you feel you are nothing. You have nothing. You can do nothing. And you lie on the floor and you are saying, God, kill me. Do you know why? I think I know why. You are in the womb of the Holy Spirit. And may the pregnancy with which the Holy Ghost is pregnant with you never be aborted. Because it's one thing for the Holy Spirit to be pregnant with a man. And it's one thing for the man to allow the pregnancy to reach full age and be born. Because just as in the natural, all truth is parallel. Just as in the natural, so in the spiritual. It's very possible for the Holy Ghost to be pregnant with a man. And for one reason or the other, because of love of money, because of love of the world, because of one or the other, the pregnancy is aborted. There are women who have miscarried when the pregnancy was only three months old. Others miscarried when the pregnancy was six months old, even seven months old. And there are cases also where even the child dies in the womb and it's a steel bed. And the child is brought out of the womb and thrown into the dustbin. May that never happen to you. The Spirit of God has been trying to impregnate Himself with you. That is why He convicts you. That's why He searches your heart. That's why you hear the messages you are hearing during this world conference. That's why God is sending the knife of conviction into your heart. God has been taking you raw material and He's been incubating you. And trying to take you through the refining process and bring you out a finished product. And when you brings you out a finished product, my dear brother, there will be no trace of carnality. You will carry God's power. In the time of Martin Luther, when the darkness of religious deceit had cloaked the entire world. God was looking for a man. The Spirit of God began to brood upon the face of the waters and incubated himself with the man called Martin Luther. He was born in a blaze of fire, brought out of the maternity of the Holy Spirit, a son of God, proclaiming the just shall live by faith. Rome shook to its foundations. Reformation shook the entire world. When the Church of England became more denominational than divine, God began to look for a man. He picked the son of a rector called John Wesley, brooded upon him, incubated himself with him, 
brilliant Oxford University young man. And by the time the Holy Ghost gave birth to him, he was not only pro proclaiming justification by faith, he was talking about sanctification by faith. And about the same time, the Holy Ghost gave birth to, whether you will call it triplets or quadruplets, I don't know. Because about the same time, George Wilfrid also was blazing with fire. Charles Wesley was blazing with fire. John Inskip was blazing with fire. And that generation witnessed a generation of anointed men. They saw things their fathers had never seen. Because you see, let me tell you. It got to a point, John Wesley was preaching, and people will not be able to sit on their benches. They will fall down, slain by the power of God. As for George Whitfield, it was the hallmark of his ministry. Wherever George Whitfield was preaching, within 15 minutes of preaching, somebody will go down. Then another, then another, then another. By the time he has gotten into one hour of preaching, there are literally hundreds on the ground. Some will sleep for almost 24 hours, sleeping in the spirit. Some were tobacco users and fornicators, adulterers. While hearing the word of God, the conviction of the word will pierce their hearts and throw them on the ground. They will be there. When they wake up from that experience with God, they are singing a new song, saved, sanctified, telling a new story. Why? The Holy Ghost had given birth to sons. Once upon a time, George Fisfield arrived somewhere to preach and the crowd was much. And you know, in those days, there was no microphone. And yet they said you could hear the voice of John Wesley two miles away. He addressed crowds of 30,000 without microphone. And even when he was 75, 78, 79, that man still preached to crowds of 20,000 without microphone. And they all heard his voice distinctly. He said, how is that possible? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. May God destroy every trace of unbelief in my heart and in your heart. And bring us into the heritage of our fathers again. Just we feel God there to preach. And the crowd was so much. Some people climbed trees and they were sitting on branches of trees. Which field surveyed the ground and said, no, I can't preach here. Because people will die. Those of you sitting on trees and hanging on study buildings, once I start preaching, you will start falling. So I won't preach until you come down. They said, no, 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 we know ourselves. We are holding the branch of the tree very well. Nothing would happen. Whitfield said, you know yourself, I know my God. When I start preaching, you will come down. You will fall. So come down first. They came down. Fifteen minutes into his message, people started from assaulting. Power of God swept the place. My dear brother, the maternity of the Holy Spirit. Holy, Holy Ghost, give birth again. Give birth again. Give birth again. Give birth again. Time will fail me to talk of men like Jonathan Edwards and Charles Finney. Men who were born in a blaze of fire. Proceeding from the loins of the Holy Spirit. 
and they shook their generation. Time will fail me, my dear brother, to talk of men in the late 19th century like Alexander Dowie and Maria Woodward Eta, whose ministry spilled over into the 20th century, who carried fire. That woman in particular was brought from the maternity of the Holy Spirit with tremendous experiences to her credit. And when you read her testimonies, she was such a frail, beautiful woman. And there was something about her that was unique. One day she was preaching and they brought a leper because the miracles were happening with profuse profusion. They brought a leper. And the leper had been eaten by leprosy. The nose, the face, or you, if you saw that leper and you were told to pray for him, for him you, will, you will start quoting the scriptures that there are many ways of praying for the sick. There's lifting of hands, there's sending the word, and I, I feel led to send, to send the word. Because you will not want to touch the man. <laughs> Sometimes we tell lies and say we feel led. When we are actually led by our fears and unbelief. When this woman saw this man, such a man eating by leprosy, compassion flowed, she began to weep. She ran to the man and embraced that leper. With all the leprous sores all over, oozing, she embraced that man and was weeping. Tears were coursing down her cheeks and that moment, the glory of God could be seen on her face. When she sobbed and cried for about a minute, two or three, and she finished, and she released the grey grip. As she took one step backwards and the second step, from the crown of the head of that leper to the sole of the feet, the power of God went, <laughs> leprosy disappeared. <laughs> Holy Spirit, give birth again. Holy Spirit, travel again. What will I say? Of that mighty woman of God who founded Foursquare Gospel Church, when she preached, mighty men shook on their seats. When she prayed, things happened. What more will I say? Time will fail me to talk of what happened in the 1940s. When all of a sudden the Holy Ghost gave birth to, I don't know how to call their number, but you could line them up. Multitudes of them. And in that one birth, with which the Holy Ghost travailed and gave birth, Gordon Lindsay was born. T.L. Osborne was born. Maurice Serulo was born. W.V. Grant was born. Ora Roberts was born. Jack Cole was born. 
R.W. Shambach was born. A.A. Allen was born. Name it. God just vomited children. Sons of God. Miracles happened that beggar description. Go and read church history. I mean, you know, the history of the move of, of God in the Pentecostal circle. Incredible, incredible things happened. My dear brother, my dear sister, we are talking about realities. You see, I, I, am, I delight in understanding our Christian heritage. There are people who are not concerned about our heritage. They are not bothered about where we are coming from. And so, they don't know where we are going to. But I am concerned about our Christian heritage. I believe in that song that says, Faith of our fathers, living still. Because when we know what it was that God did in the lives of our fathers, and what He has promised in His world, we know we can find our bearings. And we can be catapulted into a realm of an experience with God that will bring the blessing to our generation. Around that period, there were men who carried incredible anointing. One of them was F.F. Bosworth. That one disgraced and destroyed sickness with such remarkable ease that they began to call him the Dean of Divine Healers. Because the healings just happened in impossible, incredible ways. One night, Jaco was preaching, and as he commanded with authority, 63 lame people rose out of their wheelchairs and began to walk. God can do it again. Holy Ghost, give birth tonight. Give birth tonight. Give birth tonight. One thing I know is this. In the soul of every man, there is what I call a seed potential upon which the Holy Ghost incubates and when you pay the price necessary it will blossom like a rose. The man John Graham Lake carried such an anointing of God it got to a point Nobody, and I mean nobody, even if you were a minister and you carried anointing, if you drew 10 feet near where John G. Lake was standing, the power, there was an invisible barrier. The power of God will carry you and throw you near that speaker. The sick lined up to be healed. The Lord told him, don't touch them. Let them stand a distance away from you. He said, because... What was passing through his body was like volts of electricity. And that man cried, he said, he was believing God that he would be able to carry 10,000 volts of electricity, divine electricity. People could not stand. Creative miracles were wrought. Eyeballs that were missing were recreated. A young child who was born with a head like a boat, and who by virtue of the deformity in his brain was also, you know, mentally retarded, was brought for prayer. 
John G. Lake and no, the doctors looked at that child and they said there was nothing to do for that child except if, the, if when the child was about 12 years old they will carry a surgery and then they will remove this, the cranium and try to remove the brain and put artificial cranium and all that but that would be delicate and they were not too sure it will succeed they brought that young boy, John G. Lake, under God's anointing, anointed with oil and called upon the God of Abraham. Fire came down from heaven. In less than 35 seconds, the head was instantly, miraculously recreated. How do you explain that? Sons of God, the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Tomorrow you'll be going back home in your compound. The people there are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. What are you bringing back from World Conference? Is it just to come and shout? No, the people are waiting for something more than noise. They are waiting to see a son of God manifested. They are waiting to see a daughter of God manifested. God will do it again. God will do it again. Tonight, I can hear the travail of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I can hear the cry. You know, I was in a place last week. I can't remember where exactly now. Somebody's wife was in bed in a hospital. And as I was there, I was hearing the cry from the maternity. That lady groaning, travailing, in pain, waiting for that baby to be born. And the doctors were talking about how many millimeters and how many millimeters dilation and my dear brother that is what happens in the spiritual realm the Holy Spirit enfolds a man and begins to brood over the man and when that man pays the necessary price that man is born with an anointing that will meet the needs of his generation Time will fail me to tell you of many more things the Holy Spirit has done in past generations. There were the Jeffrey brothers, Stephen and George Jeffreys, children of the same parents, born of the Spirit, blazing with fire, under their ministry amputated hands grew back again legs that were amputated because of maybe bullet wounds or whatever on the war front legs that were amputated from the knee grew back again and theirs was remarkable because when the anointing will come they will only announce the presence of God that the presence of the master is here and then the miracles will start happening. 
Then you find lepers getting cleansed and blind eyes getting opened. Rahad Bonke said when he was a student in a Bible school in London. One day he was on holiday and he was to go back to Germany by train and he was waiting for the train. The train was still a number of hours more to come and he decided to just stroll round and spend the time to sightsee. He said as he went wherever his leg carried him. He passed by a place and he saw an inscription on a door on a house, George Jeffries. When he looked at it, he said, come, who is called George Jeffries? Is it the George Jeffries that God used so mightily to heal the sick and to bring about unprecedented revival that shook the world? He became inquisitive. He said, he knocked on that door and a woman came to the door and he said, excuse me, ma." In his halted English, he said, excuse me, may I know, does George Jeffries live here? The woman said, yes. He said, Ma, is it the George Jeffries of the revival? The woman said, yes. Is he alive? The woman said, yes. Is he in? The woman said, yes. Can I see him? The woman said, no. He said, all of a sudden, from inside the house, a booming authoritative voice said, let him come in. So the woman gave way, he walked in. There was George Jeffries, now very old. He wasn't sick, but he was tired from all the labors. Age was all over him. His hair was all gray. He had seen the power of God beyond description. And he knew his life was worth living. You know, there are people who when they are dying, they hate themselves, they hate the life they have lived, and they wish they never lived because of the wasted years, wasted morals, wasted everything. But as George Jeffrey sat there, he knew he had not been born in vain. He knew he had not lived in vain. Bonke said he introduced himself to that man and said he was a student in the Bible school from Germany and he just saw the name on the door and he had come to ascertain whether it was the George Jeffries or the Revivals. He said, they started chatting and he was telling this great man of God what was the burden on his heart for a dying world. Bonke then was a very young man. He said, that, that great man of God began to talk about the great things God did and about greater things God will do if he gets vessels he can use. And he said, as that man was talking, all of a sudden, without warning, that man grabbed his hand and fell on his knees and said, let us pray. He said that man prayed the type of prayer he had never heard all his life.
He said, when that man began to pray, the presence of God like electricity it enveloped the whole room. The power was so strong. The power of God. You, you, you knew that more than 10,000 angels were in that place. He laid hands on Bonke and called the God of Abraham to pour down fire and spit fire on him. Bonke said he staggered out of that place. Two weeks later, George Jeffries died. The anointing had been transferred. May God transfer the anointing tonight. I tell you with a broken heart because let me tell you in the time of Elisha after the anointing was transferred from Elijah to Elisha when Elisha was to die God was looking for a man on whom he could transfer the anointing the Holy Ghost was looking for a man he could be pregnant with he found nobody and so what happened Elisha died with the anointing the anointing was buried with his bones there were living sons of the prophets quoting theology but they couldn't heal a fly. And they couldn't redeem Israel. They couldn't bring revival. The anointing had been interred with the bones of Elijah. So one day when they were burying a dead man and they sighted a band of marauding Syrians, those who were burying the man quickly threw the dead body into the nearest sepulchre and dashed for their life to go and hide. They did not know that when they threw the corpse of that man, it was into the sepulchre of Elisha. And the anointing that was buried with his bones, the anointing that looked for a man and could not find, and so went to the grave with Elisha, when the dead body of that man landed on the dry bones of Elisha, fire from the dead bones of the prophet, fire spat out. And the dead man came back to life. I tell you, let me tell you, if there was ever a time, if you understand spiritual things, God was unhappy with Israel, it was that time. Because for God to have not found a man, a man who was hungry, a man who was thirsty, it means everybody was pursuing worldly things. God, even among the pastors and prophets, they were pursuing emptiness, making noise. God could not find a man who would pay the price. So God had no choice. The anointing went with the grave, went with Elijah to the grave. Oh God, have mercy. May God transfer the anointing tonight. May God Almighty transfer the anointing tonight. You hear of a man of God called Benny Hinn, that God is using tremendously. And you wonder what happened. I think I know what happened. The Holy Ghost incubated him. Under the ministry of Catherine Kuhlman, he was an usher. And you see, I pity those of you who are working on the retreat ground and who are not doing it all your heart. Benny Hinn was an unknown quantity, an usher in Catherine Kuhlman's meeting. Catherine Kuhlman died in 1976. One of the women that carried the greatest anointing in all human history. And if there was anybody who received what we call the transference of anointing from Catherine Kuhlman, it is Benny Hinn. 
If you have watched it, minister, you will know it's a reproduction of Benny, of uh, Catherine Kuhlman. How did Catherine Kuhlman herself receive the anointing? At a tender age of about 16, after she got saved, she was going about with her elder sister and the husband called Everett and Michael Parrot. And they had a measure of God's anointing in their lives, even though their ministry was not that prominent. But what, how did they themselves receive the anointing? They, Everett Parrot, the husband of Catherine Kuhlman's elder sister, had been an apprentice under the man called Charles Price. Charles Price manifested an anointing that beggars description. The glory of God was raw on that man's life. How did Charles Price receive the anointing himself? He had gone as, you know, because before he received the anointing, he was a very popular minister with an array of theological knowledge. But he didn't know the power of God. But he went into a meeting where the founder of Four Square Gospel was preaching, the woman called Amy Semple McPherson. And he went there with a critical and analytical mind to go and criticize her, take down notes of all the dubious, you know, theology the woman was preaching, and dispute the power of God. And then on, so that on Sunday he will go and on the pulpit he will be able to theologically tear all her doctrine to pieces and oppose her. But halfway through the message the woman was preaching that day, the power of God arrested him. He put his notebook and pen back. That was how his life was transformed. He carried anointing. So you see, from Amy Semple McPherson, the anointing came upon Charles Price. From Charles Price, the anointing came upon Michael and Everett Parrott. From, from uh, Everett Parrott, the anointing came upon Catherine Kuhlman. From Catherine Kuhlman, upon Benny Heen. There's always a chain. It's always a chain, my dear brother. And I beg you tonight, whatever price there is to pay, let us pay it. This Christian life is not worth living except we are living it well. Except we are living it to the fullest. I believe God tonight. The Holy Spirit is in the maternity. Intercessors will be born. Whatever ancestral spirit has been hindering you from your ministry of prayer tonight. Before God. That ancestral spirit has to go. Whatever oppressive force, you know yourself that if only you can give time to God and to the Bible, God can use you in one area or another. But something has been hindering, something you can't define tonight before God and before His glory. Whatever is the hindrance, whatever is the obstacle must have to be dismantled. You know yourself, my dear sister, that if only you can cut off from these, you know, Gossip clique. Clique of gossipers. Your companions who always have a way of influencing you. The sisters you work with who always carry stories. Christian politicians in the church. Church politicians. What pastor said, what pastor did not preach, who did what and who did not do what. And whenever you engage in that, your soul loses something. That you diminish spiritually. The Spirit of God is grieved. You end up confessing sin. Even though you are still praying in tongues, the glory is not like before. 
hear the word of God. Maybe you know there's a sister, there's a brother. Whenever you draw near him or her, you always lose something. He always will push you because he has a domin domineering character. Domineering personality. And whenever you are near him or her, there's a way she will talk and talk you to worldliness and talk you to backsliding and talk you to, you know, carnal things and things that don't profit and gossip and evil speaking. And whenever you are finished fellowshipping with that sister, discussing that sister, you always discover there's a decline in your spiritual life. Tonight, you have to cut off. It doesn't matter who that sister is, whether she is here by name, whether she is a woman leader, whatever, cut off. Cut off. And let the Holy Ghost incubate upon you. And take you from raw material to finished product. Can you hear the cry from the labor room? I can hear it. I can hear it. And I know something. I know, I know, I know. God did not give me this message in vain. I know the things God has been dealing with with me about in the past few months and in the past few years they are not in vain I know I know I know I did not resign from where I was pastoring uh, before in 1987 for nothing I know I know I know I know that something is about to happen Something is about to happen. If God in this congregation will get men, men, women, who will pay the price. If there are only two, I give you God's word. The world will see another Elijah. The world will see another Deborah. The world will see another Catherine Kuhlman. When I was reading the testimony of the great woman of God, she is still alive, the wife of M.A. Dowd, how that under God's power, she held, there was a child that was, you know, lame, the legs were twisted and impossibly bad. And she just held those legs and then said, Dear Jesus, I know you love this child. And as she was praying, the legs of the child began to twist back to shape right before the eyes of everybody. And the leg began that was no totally emaciated, began to feel back. By the time she finished praying and got up, that child sprang up and was walking. We are talking about what God can do. He will do it. Holy Spirit of God, give birth tonight. Give birth tonight. Give birth tonight. I can feel him brooding. I can feel him brooding. And when he broods and broods and broods over this crowd and finds a place of rest for the sole of his foot, he will rest. He will rest. Noah sent out the dove the first time. It flew and flew and flew on the wings of a dove and did not find a place of rest for the sole of their foot it came back 
Seven days later, he sent it again. The dove went and went and went, and came with an olive branch in his, in his mouth. Olive signifying oil, anointing. The dove and the olive. Olive signifying peace. Olive signifying reconciliation. And he brought that in. He sent the dove out seven days later. And what happened? The Bible says the dove did not come back. Why? At last, the dove had found a place of rest for the sole of his foot. Hear the word of God before we pray. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been sent out to you time and time after time. And over and over again, he came and brooded over your life to see if you will give him the attention. To see if you will pay the price. To see if you will yield. And when you will not, he flew back and told him that sent him that he did not find a place of rest for the sole of his foot. And maybe he was sent back again. Maybe last year's conference or throughout this year he has come and somehow to one little degree or another as you yielded, as you surrendered some areas of your life he found an olive leaf. And this year you have been seeing the symbol of that olive leaf. You have seen an increased anointing in your life, in your ministry. You have seen an increased anointing in your intercessory ministry. You have seen that you prayed for this person, this happened, you prayed for this person, that happened. That is only the beginning of the beginning of the beginnings. If you will yield, the Holy Ghost is here tonight again. Brooding over this audience. And may he find a perfect place of rest. For the sole of his feet in your life. That when he comes. He may not only abide. He will preside. And he will groan in you. And when he comes my dear brother. Your passions will change. Your affections will change. Your interests will change. Your preoccupation will change. Your priorities will change. Oh, you've been saying, bro, I don't have compassion for souls. Don't worry when he comes. Don't worry if you will rend your heart tonight when he comes. You say, bro, I've been longing for... Don't worry when he comes. When he comes tonight. When he comes. When he comes. Holy Ghost, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. You are before God's altar. And now it is between you and God. Whom will the Holy Ghost give birth to next? The Holy Ghost is pregnant. We are in his maternity ward. We are in his maternity ward. We are in his maternity ward. Whom will the Holy Ghost give birth to next? The world is waiting outside the maternity ward. 
to see what child the Holy Ghost will bring out next. Go. Envelope every man. Envelope every woman. Spirit of the living God. I have spoken not by myself but purely by you. In confirmation. Envelope every man. Envelope every woman. Incubate every man. Incubate every woman. Take every raw material here. Take every raw material here. Take, O oh God, every raw material here. God of my fathers, take every raw material here tonight and begin to groan. I ask, I insist upon it, I demand and I command that every hindering force and every hindering factor in the lives of this ones be removed in the name of Jesus Christ. I insist on it. I insist on it. I insist on it. I insist on it. That whatever power, whatever power, whatever power, whatever name, whatever force, whatever thing, whatever factor has been holding them back, will hold them no more. Will hold them no more. Shall 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 hold them no more. From this very moment. From this very moment. They shall hold them no more. In the name of Jesus. Let them have it now. Let them have it now. Let them have it now. One. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Two. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Three. Take it. Mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Men receive power to live in holiness. Right now as I pray, by the count of three, Let each one of these people, without exception, in your own unique way of dealing with each individual, there are those you deal with in a different way, there are those you deal with in a yet different way. I don't know how you deal with them tonight, but Father, this is my prayer, this is my request. Let each one of these, right now, receive the power of God in a very real, in a very tangible manner. Happy to me. When I count three, you are going to...